Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast. We are at Proper 11 in Year C. So that's the Sunday that falls on or between July 7th through 23rd. And we are in the second week of our new series called Focused. Focused is what we see in Jesus. In this year C, this part of year C, we are following Jesus as he journeys to Jerusalem. Luke 9.51 says Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And we know that he is focused as he travels. He's focused on going to the cross, on defeating sin and death, then returning to his father. And really, we could say he's focused on us, rescuing us and giving us new life. So as we follow our Savior on his journey to the cross, we find the Spirit giving us renewed focus. We see things more clearly. Each week in this series, as we hear Christ's words, we gain focus for our lives. So as I mentioned, we are talking today about the reading for the Sunday that falls between July 7th and 23rd in year C. That's proper 11 on our new schedule of propers. The theme tying the readings together this week is focused worship seeks service from Jesus more than service for Jesus. And we'll talk about that more in just a minute. Just a quick introduction. I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. With me today is Pastor Nathan Nass of Christ the King Lutheran Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Also Pastor James Borgwart, who serves Redeemer Lutheran Church in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. And with us today, also from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary, Professor Steve Poggles, who teaches systematic theology and homiletics. Well, Nathan Nass, let's start with you. Could you talk to us a little bit about the proper 11 theme in this focused series and uh, bring us up to speed? Great to be with you today. Uh, last week was the first Sunday in this focused series, and the, the preaching text was the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, that story reminded us to be focused, not on ourselves, but outside ourselves, to be focused in love and service to our neighbor. Lest we think, though, that our lives as Christians is just focused on what we do for others, um, our gospel lesson this week reminds us that before we can be focused on others, uh, we need to, to be focused on God's word and receive God's word as our, our strength uh, to go out and serve others. And so I, I think that the, the lesson for this Sunday fits perfectly I'm piggybacking off of what we preached on last week. Last week, we were focused on service to others. Today, we remember that we need Jesus to serve us before we can go out in service to others. So our gospel lesson that the sermon is suggested to be preached on is from Luke chapter 10, the, the familiar story of Mary and Martha. And while Martha is busy in service, um, Jesus shows us that Mary chose the better way that she received service from her Savior, Jesus. And so we want to be focused on receiving what Jesus has to give us. Great. Thank Great, you thank for you. that summary of the theme for the week. Uh, James Borgwart, let's go to you next. Can you give us a quick synopsis of the scripture readings appointed for today? We heard a little bit about the, the Luke 10, but if you could talk about that and the other readings for today, that would be great. Sure. Um, and as often the case, the narratives between the gospel and the Old Testament are, are pretty clear. In both cases, you have these situations of hospitality, of, of the, the service uh, back and forth with Genesis chapter 18, the first 14 verses. We have Abraham and Sarah and one of their servants who are busy running 
to and fro to prepare a meal from scratch for the Lord and, and the angels, these, these three visitors, even Abraham standing there in the shade, almost like a, a waiter waiting to, to serve whatever needs these visitors have, which all serves, and rightly so, as a backdrop to the main service, which is the word that the Lord brings to, especially to Sarah, and that her long waiting for the promised child that they've been waiting for for many years for, that they would have uh, within the year, a year from that date. So we can see how the Lord serves Sarah with what she needs, that, that word of promise. Then in uh, Colossians, it's the first 14 verses of that book from the Apostle Paul, where we can see it's not a narrative, although Paul does remind them, or he's thanking God in prayer for, for when the gospel first did come to them. And so in this sense, it's more of a sequential uh, comparison where the gospel came to the, to the Colossians first, and then in response, as Paul prays, that, that they would respond in acts of, of service to their Lord, who had rescued them from the dominion of darkness. Um, and those serve as, as uh, compliments to the gospel, which is, in comparison, a far shorter reading than those first two readings are. Yeah, thank you for tying those things together for us or showing us uh, some connections between all of the readings. Let's zero in on the gospel then, which is the suggested sermon text for our discussion today. Steve Poggles, could you get us started thinking about preaching this account of Jesus in the home of Mary and Martha? Thanks, John. This is a relatively short text, only five verses, and it is only recorded in Luke. A few things to highlight here. And I organize my thoughts in terms of pairs. So think in terms of pairs. The first pair is obvious. Um, Nathan introduced us to Mary and Martha. We know they are sisters. We know from John's gospel, they also have a brother uh, by the name of Lazarus. Um, John also tells us that Jesus loved this family. He loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. In our text, we see evidence that the two sisters felt the same way about Jesus. They both love their Lord, but they express their devotion to him in decidedly different ways. And that brings us to the second pair, also a little bit into the Greek text today. At the end of verse 39 and the beginning of verse 40, we come across a pair of imperfect <laughs> verbs. We're told that Mary was listening to what Jesus was saying. That's from Akuo. And Martha was being distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Um, that verb is paraspao. Interestingly enough, it's the only time that verb appears in the New Testament. Um, NIV and NIV 84, I think the EHV as well, all, all translate that as Mary being distracted. Um, the imperfect can denote an incomplete or an ongoing action. And I think that fits pretty well here. Um, picture Mary, she's found a place at Jesus' feet and she was content to stay there, to keep on listening to his word. And perhaps Martha wanted to join her, but she kept on being distracted by one thing after another in the kitchen. And since she was preparing this meal by herself, a point she will make clear in just a moment, um, she was not able to find a spare moment to sit down. Now we know 
what happens next. Martha brings her complaint to Jesus. And the beginning of Jesus' response to her complaint, that is our next pair. Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, twice. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Now, how do you imagine Jesus saying those words? I don't really hear a harsh tone. When I hear those words, I hear compassion and concern in Jesus' voice. And maybe that's because of the other times Jesus spoke in a similar way. Um, I got a quick quiz for the panel here. There were at least two other times when Jesus doubled up names in direct address. What were they? Can you think of one? We would have had the Jeopardy music queued up. Yeah. I didn't tell the guys ahead of time either. Um, Simon? Was it to Simon once? If it was, that's not what I was thinking of. I was thinking of uh, Jesus looking out over the city and saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you know, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. You know, he, he was longing to bring them back, but they were not willing. So that care, concern, compassion. The other one's kind of tricky. That's an ax. When uh, Jesus appears to Saul on the road, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? So in, in each of those examples, including our text, I can't help but hear Jesus speaking in a, a loving, caring tone. Now, it's true the Lord needed to correct Martha's misguided thinking, but he did so in a, in a loving way. So just to get us started, those are my three pairs. We have the two sisters, we have the two imperfects in verses 39 and 40, and the two times Jesus repeats Martha's name in his response to her request. Great. Yeah. Um, here's one that I noticed too. I don't know if it counts as a pair in quite the same way, but at the end of verse 41, last word in verse 41, first word in verse 42, Pala and Hanos. It's kind of an interesting that those two are back to back there. I thought uh, many things and then of one thing, um, there is a need. So yeah, maybe that's another one. If I could uh, piggyback that on your list of, of pairs. Um, yeah. Um, how about as we think about um, uh, applying law and gospel um, based on this text, what suggestions would you have for preachers? Um, and um, I mean, I've got a couple thoughts, but I'll, I'll let you guys jump in first. Uh, as you identify um, the sin problems in this text, what do you typically point to? Or if you've dealt with this text before in sermons, devotions, Bible classes, what have you identified as a problem or problems here? James? I, I would say... Uh... What comes to my mind, I remember a conference with Professor Deutschlander some years ago where he gave the warning against becoming a professional pastor, where, where as pastors, we have so many things to do, can be distracted by so many important things, uh, sometimes maybe just to produce the product where we don't personally take time, you know, outside of our role as pastor, but simply as a child of God 
to let Jesus speak to our own hearts without an agenda to come out or a product to come out uh, the other side. And so uh, for me, that's where the text begins in that, that personal mirror of the law. Right. Uh, applying the, the text to ourselves. Um, definitely, we can see ourselves in this text as, as busy pastors doing the Lord's work, serving the Lord in all these good ways. But sometimes things can get out of whack. Nathan? Um, I get in on the word in verse 40. Um, in the NIV, it says distracted. Martha was distracted. And I think you can go a long ways with that word in, um, in a sermon. How often aren't we distracted by so many different things? You know, another possible translation of that is just being pulled. Martha was just pulled in all these different directions. Some of them were very good things, but they were ultimately pulling her away from Jesus. And so just to, to share with our people, uh, what are the things that the devil has us so focused on doing that it's actually pulling us away from Jesus as our Savior? The devil is happy to have us do things, even things that outwardly are good things. The devil's happy to have us focus on doing things because he knows that by doing things, we can't save ourselves. And the result is always going to be being worried and upset, just like Martha was. And so I think a key point in this text is how often aren't we guilty of wanting to, to do things before Jesus, before we spend time with Jesus, and to not have that time with Jesus, we're, we're simply not prepared um, to go out and to live for him. Right. Yeah, you can't take that element of Jesus serving us out of the picture and expect everything to proceed as it's supposed to. Steve? I, I really appreciate both of those comments, and, and we're all pastors, and I think we can all relate to that. Um, see what you think of this. If, if you're looking at Martha and you know, you're thinking of yourself as sort of being in Martha's position, um, Martha made the mistake of thinking that she was the host and Jesus was the guest. What do you think of that? Yeah. Martha made the mistake of thinking that she was the host and Jesus was the guest. Yeah. That she was the one providing things. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Whereas, whereas Mary, you know, she, she saw it the other way, that, that Jesus was a guest in the home, but, but he was really the one providing that fits with our theme, right? That the things that Jesus does for us, not, not the focus, the primary focus being on what we do for him. Yeah. Nathan? Just your comment. I, I think we do that all the time as pastors, that we focus on our, our hosting Jesus instead of time with Jesus. I just think of my own day and how often I don't wake up with this plan. I'm going to read God's word first. And then I just say, well, I'll check my email or I'll just open up Facebook. And then it never happens getting to God's word. And at the end of the day, I don't, I don't actually get more things done. I certainly don't feel more fulfilled that to spend time with Jesus, let Jesus serve me and host me first. That's what, that's what I need to, to live a full life as a Christian. Right. Um, can I throw in a complicating thought uh, into the picture here? Um, I remember, uh, uh, a, a very gifted uh, Christian person. Um, we were talking about this text or we had it in Bible class or, or something. And, and uh, her thought was, oh, okay, that, that's great. But who's going to actually do the stuff that needs to be done when it needs to be done? Um, is there maybe a, 
do we have to maybe be careful of maybe oversimplifying things to say, you know, problem, we don't spend enough time with Jesus, solution, just spend more time with Jesus, uh, when in reality, that is a difficult thing. Nathan, you've hinted at this too. Um, there's a lot of good things uh, that need to be done that we do have to address. Um, and I think everybody's mentioned this so far. Good service that needs to be carried out for Jesus Um yeah, is there something to be said for being careful as preachers uh, not to oversimplify things or to, 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 to make things seem so easy, like you're, you're messing up your priorities, so just get them straight, something like that? Any, any thoughts in that regard, or is that perhaps a, a trap that preachers can fall into, if this is making any sense? Yeah. James? Yeah, I, I, I would agree, and I, I like how... Um, the outline of this this series for proper eleven, the, the the parallel. You know, this is a comparison between Mary and Martha, and makes a good point of not demonizing what Martha is doing. You know, this is as has been said. Well, um, she's doing this out of, out of love for her Savior, and what she is doing is is good. You know, our service to God is good. His service. Of, of us and to us is, is perfect. You know, our service to God is important. His service is, is essential. And so um, to, to, to make sure, and I think I have heard it where, where Martha's kind of thrown under the bus a, a little bit and, um, and, and that's not the right perspective to take. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, Jesus never denigrates Martha's service. In, in this lesson, does he? I mean, um, the, the problem is is not her service in and of itself, but it's kind of the, the misplaced priorities or getting things in the wrong order. Um, uh, yeah. So Nathan, as you mentioned, the um, you know it's it's good things that the devil takes and twists around, um, puts them out of order, and then they have they lead us in bad directions and unhealthy directions. Nathan. And just at that point, I, I think it's it's always important to remind our people that often it's good things that can pull us away from Jesus more easily than bad things can. Right. And I think our, our our people often have this in mind. Well, the, the thing that's bad is these bad sins. I'm going to avoid those. But often it's good things. It's good service that takes up our attention away from Jesus. The devil uses good things to pull us away from Jesus often more than he uses bad things to. Yeah. Good. Right, Steve? That, that leads me to think we've been talking about applying this to ourselves first. Now, applying, applying this, this account, these, these lessons to, to our people makes me think of, uh, you know, preaching a sermon and, and you, you think of all the people who aren't there that, that should be there to hear this. Maybe you've had that experience, mm -hmm. but, but this would be one where you're, you're sort of preaching to the choir, so to speak, where where this text invites application to, to faithful members, you know, we call them the, who, who might get caught up in a, a Martha mindset, if you will, you know, we're grateful for everything they do. And, and yeah, it's important, but that do everything attitude, I mean, that can lead to burnouts that can lead to resentment, um, you know, mixed up priorities about church and worship life. Um, so, so maybe in, in the preaching of it, you know, we remember the opinio legis, you know, that looms large in, in every heart and every Christian's heart and even potentially when it comes to serving our Lord too. 
Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, this is, I thought of that too. This is something that speaks to maybe some of the busiest and most active uh, Christians, active in good things and good service. Uh, Nathan? I think that the, the gospel comes in with the statement that you, you don't have to feel guilty for taking time to read God's word. And thinking about the choir or us as pastors, I, that's one of the devil's temptations on me is, well, you don't, you're just going to sit there and read the Bible with all these things to do? And Jesus says, absolutely. I want you just to sit there and to hear my word. And that's, that's the best thing that you can do right now. And to think in the word, we hear Jesus' promises about taking away our sins and our burdens and giving us strength for everything we need to face. We can give our people the freedom in this sermon to say, just stop and sit still and be with Jesus. And that's the greatest thing that, that God wants from you today. Great. Yeah, just giving them that, that to say no to good things um, in order to say yes to, to, the, to the better thing, the, the best thing. The illustration that came to mind was when Luther once commented every time he tried to say his prayers, the devil sent a fly into the room, you know, and sometimes those flies can be good things, not just evil things. And so... Again, tying in with that overall theme of, of staying focused. Right, right. Nathan? You, you mentioned Luther. This is a, a good place. You could use that other quote from Luther that I have so much to do today that I couldn't do it all if I didn't spend three hours first in prayer or something like that. Uh, just this idea, the more that I have to do, Luther would say, the more I need to, to spend time with Jesus first. And by nature, we do the opposite. The more we have to do, the less time we make for God's word. And no, I'm so busy today. I couldn't make it through if I didn't spend, you fill in the time, three hours with Jesus in prayer. Right. Steve? Another gospel uh, emphasis that, that hadn't hit me with this text before. Um, I had a member, the first congregation I served, he was a, a parish pastor. He was retired. He described Lutherans as means of gracers. I don't know if that's a noun, but it, but it is now. We're means of gracers. And, and that's great. We should be. But, but this text makes it clear that Jesus was too. You know, the emphasis on the means of grace. When not all of Christendom has that emphasis, we, we can point to it directly in this text as well. That's right. Jesus and his grace kind of come through. Um, Nathan? I think what's neat is you can use this text to also remind people why we need the means of grace and what God's using his word to do. And certainly he's always using it to strengthen faith and give us forgiveness that we need. But in any harmony of the Gospels, it always shows this account happens before Lazarus dies and Jesus has to raise him from the dead. And you think, why did Mary and Martha need to sit at Jesus' feet? They didn't know it then, but very soon their dear brother was going to come down with a sickness for days and he was going to die. And how are they going to make it through that? only through Jesus' word and his promises. And you remember Jesus shows up at Lazarus's tomb and Martha gives some of the most beautiful confessions of faith that we have in the Bible, right? She says, I know he's going to rise at the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God. And how could she say that? Well, it was only because she'd sat at Jesus' feet and to tell our people um, to say, you know, listen to God's word. It's not just, well, this is what you do as Christians. It's because God's going to use his word and the means of grace 
to prepare you for what happens next. And I don't know what that is, and you don't either. Maybe it's someone's going to get sick or die. Maybe you'll lose your job. Maybe think of any number of things. God's, God's using the time you're spending with Jesus right now to prepare you for what's going to come the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah, excellent point. Yeah, thanks for making that connection, that Mary-Martha connection with John 11. Uh, Steve? Yeah, I, I appreciate that too, because Luke 10 leaves it open-ended. I mean, there's no clear resolution. I'd like, you know, verse 43, and Martha took off her apron and sat down, right? <laughs> Found a place next to Mary. But but if you connect it to, to what happens next and, and Martha's beautiful confession, which I've used many times as a, a lesson in at funerals because it's so clear um, and and so clear a testimony of faith. But but you, you don't see that exactly in Luke 10, but I'm glad you brought up John 11. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, you mentioned, Steve, there's no clear resolution. I think that's, that's a case with a lot of biblical stories, uh, isn't it? Where we don't have a, a, a nice bow tied on the end of it, but the effect that that can have is it kind of puts the question before us now. Um, yeah, Mary or Martha, uh, what is the one thing needful for me? Am I being distracted? So yeah, it raises all these questions in the hearers' minds, and uh, that's a powerful thing that the Spirit can do uh, with that structure. Uh, well, I think we've been talking a lot about the gospel emphases in, in this text already. Um, anything to add to that? Um, as you, what, what do you focus on as the powerful message of, of grace, of comfort here? I know we've mentioned that it's Jesus' desire to give and to serve that uh, shines through so clearly in this text. Um, the, uh, how he equips us with his word to face what, whatever it is we're going to face next, energizes us for service. Anything you would um, add to that as far as gospel emphases in this text? Steve? I, I think it's interesting. I, I get the impression Martha fully expected Jesus to be on her side mm -hmm. and, and was probably surprised and maybe showed it visibly on her face when he, when he was not. But, but even in his rebuke, if you can even call it a rebuke, it is so gentle. What does Jesus do? He directs Martha back to the word, to the gospel, which, which is a good model for preachers too, right? Um, that, that that is the ultimate goal, to direct people back to the gospel, to the comfort of his promises. Yeah, excellent, excellent. One, th one thought that I had is that um, as you bring across the gospel in this text um, that, uh, and I, God forbid that this would happen, but I know I've preached a lot of sermons and said a lot of dumb stuff, so anything can happen, um, uh, that we maybe need to be careful also to say, okay, don't be like Martha, but instead be like Mary, because that's way better. Amen. You know, that, that of course, that's oversimplifying things, but um, you know, don't serve Jesus in this way by trying to do all this stuff as Mary was and being distracted. Instead, serve Jesus by reading your Bible a lot and coming to every Bible class and every church service. And okay, well, in that way, you can turn the gospel into a new law, right? Um, but instead, we get to focus on well, what does Jesus want to give us? What does he want to do for us? Uh, as Steve said, pointing us back to the word. Um, what, what blessings does he want to pour out on us 
Um, any thoughts in that regard, Nathan? Yeah, I've had in mind the phrase, can you, can you picture Jesus just saying, please sit down. And, but as an invitation, not as this, here's another law for you, but just please sit down. And can you use that phrase in your sermon and then fill in what Jesus is going to say? Please sit down, because I want to tell you that I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And please sit down, because I want you to know that I'm the Lamb of God who's taken away the sin of the world. And please sit down and, and hear that I prepared a, a room for you in my Father's house in heaven. And just that gospel invitation of Jesus saying, just just stop what you're doing and sit down and listen to what I've done for you. Great. Great. James? Along those same lines, you know, Jesus' words about Mary, you know, what she has chosen, uh, the good part, as opposed to a good part or a good thing. She chose the good part and it will not be taken from her. So that, that enduring grace of God that points to those eternal blessings that, that Nathan was referring to, that's, that's part of Jesus' promise there. It will not be taken away from her. One illustration that came to mind, I don't know if this is going to be in the new hymnal or not. I didn't check, but uh, in uh, CW 1.0, 290 is that hymn, you know, One Thing's Needful, where um, Johann Schrader, pastor, he was a pastor at age 29, a widower at age 30, and died at age 32. Um, didn't, didn't live a, a long life, but before he was taken to heaven, he, you know, he gives us a, a beautiful hymn focused on this text that, that, that gospel eventually is, is what will carry us to glory. Yeah, excellent point. 645, hymn 645 in the new hymnal. It's there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Steve? Yeah, I said I, I checked on that and, and it did make the cut, so <laughs> I, I didn't know the number, though. I appreciate that. Right. Um, anything to add in terms of application or uh, illust other illustrations, um, help for preachers in, in communicating this text? Uh, Nathan? Uh, just a couple of small notes. One, I, I read in some commentaries that pointed out that for Jesus to go to a woman's house was a strange thing. This was not what rabbis did going around teaching women. And so just one of many reminders we have in the Bible of Jesus went out of his way to, to share the gospel with whomever he could. And we know how um, things about men and women and roles are always on people's minds. And here's an example to say Jesus cared about women and went to these sisters' house and taught them. Another is just as, as, as you study the text, there is an interesting textual variant in verse 42 that results in, in very different translations. And so NIV 11 has a very different way to phrase it than what other Bible translations do. And I don't have the right answer. It seemed to me like there were three different variants that all had some support for them. I just know the NIV 11, but, but few things are needed or indeed only one, which wasn't what I had in my mind when I opened it up to read. So take a look at the variants in chapter 42 and see what you think. Yeah, that's a helpful suggestion. You're right. There are a number of uh, interesting things in that verse. Um, uh, yeah, good, good uh, to study further. And uh, yeah, not just for the sake of, of course, getting handled on the text, but yeah, each one might spark an idea uh, for preachers as you communicate the truths of this text too. Um, uh, possible structures, outlines, uh, even theme ideas that you've got or are working with 
Um, any possible suggestions or ideas to get preachers, uh, get the gears turning, Steve? I'm going to pick the low hanging fruit. So uh, a theme that, that just kind of jumps out of this text is something like one thing is needed. Because mm -hmm. that, that is, you know, words coming from our Savior's lips. Um, if you divide it A way, maybe not B way, but uh, the first part, learn from two sisters, You've got their their convert or their you know differences versus 38, 39, 40. And then part two, listen to the Lord. And again, that puts the emphasis and, and at the end, especially emphasizing it's not about being Mary instead of Martha, but listen, listen to the Lord in verses 41 and 42. And and that theme in parts, if if you just read those in a bulletin, there's a pretty good chance you can guess the guess the text without even you know looking it up too so that's that's an idea it's the text well right other ideas for uh possible themes um here's one that i remember i think this is probably harold senkbile in one of his books maybe his um maybe it's where in the world is god that devotion book uh, a theme he attached to this reading was don't just do something, sit there, which is one I remember after many years, uh, of course, just sp a spin on the familiar proverb, don't just do something, sit there. So uh, summarizes, yeah, Jesus wants to serve us. And Nathan, you said it before, you know, that maybe a repeated invitation, yeah, have a seat, sit down, because I want to give you this gift, this assurance through my word, Jesus says to us. Um, uh, it's interesting, the text kind of, as you follow, it's just five verse long narrative kind of presents, doesn't it, sort of the problem and then Jesus solution. Um, so that could be an, an opportunity for a preacher if you just kind of wanted to, and I think Steve, your outline does this too, just sort of walks through the the text, um, pointing out the uh, the contrast between the two sisters how Mary was troubled or distracted, uh, or Martha was troubled or distracted, and then Jesus' um, invitation to her to listen as Mary was listening to receive from Jesus. Other thoughts in terms of uh, preaching this text, or Steve, another one? I'll let James go first. Okay, James. Well, just uh, to comment, John, on, on your thought, I love, I love that theme because it you know, grabs the, the attention and a reminder, you know, I, I think we all recognize that, that a lot of times, at least we, we have the perception that listeners these days, they want application sermons, tell me what to do, you know, and so this is an encouragement with that sort of a theme to appropriate the words that, that Jesus speaks to us. Um, and yet there's application in, 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 in there too. Um, and then maybe reflecting a little bit on, on, Steve's theme there. Um, thinking about this text, you know, it's not a, and I don't want to stereotype the listeners in the pews, but it's not a text that maybe jumped out to me so much as a kid, but one I think that you appreciate more and more as, as you get older. And sometimes we can see people as they mature throughout life. And, and here we're talking about maturing in their faith where they want to simplify things or, or when they when they're overwhelmed with so many things that they, or, or when they're moving out of a house, they have to ask themselves, um, what do I really need? What do I really need? What can I, what can I get rid of? And what am I, 
left with. And, and so there's possibly a thought for an introduction towards that one thing needful. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It is kind of, uh, as you get to different stages in your life, the uh, being overwhelmed by many things uh, certainly gets to be an issue like every day, every hour of every day, uh, just about. Um, and this really does speak to that in a, uh, a grace-filled way. Um, other concluding thoughts as you uh, think about this text or any further suggestions for preachers? Nathan? Maybe just a thought that it's always helpful to me of what, what do I look for? And I think this text is telling us whenever in your life you feel like Martha, distracted, worried, upset, whenever you see those signs in your life, that's, that's just God calling you back to his word. And you can use that for maybe a closing application to your people is when you're going through your life and you find yourself distracted, worried, and anxious, and how often don't we feel that way? That's Jesus' invitation. Come and sit down with me. Come and spend some time with me. And every time we see that trigger, then we know this is where I can find relief and comfort and, and peace in Jesus. Right. Yeah, I could mention too, at, by, maybe by way of a, a wrap up, um, as we look at some of the uh, commentary on the propers and the notes that we've got for this proper, it uses the example of uh, worship service as we gather for corporate worship. Um, it, it's so uh, becomes so evident to maybe a, a first time visitor or maybe a long time worshiper too. We need this reminder as well that when we come to church, this is about us doing things. We are praying, we're standing, we're sitting, we're singing, we're giving our offerings uh, after church, we're signing our name on uh, the sign-up sheet for whatever activity is coming up. Um, but it's good to stop and remember that the main reason why we gather together is so we can sit at the feet of Jesus and have him serve us through his word, through his sacraments. Um, that's the main service that we really need. Um, and and that is going to really energize us for all these other ways of, of serving. Um, it's not going to take away our service to God, it's going to enliven it and, and enrich it as Jesus serves us. So a uh, beautiful text, um, familiar one, but the gospel comes across uh, so clearly. Jesus invites us to come and be served by him. So uh, Steve, Nathan, James, thank you for uh, all your wisdom today and thoughts you've shared with preachers as they wrestle with this text and then have the joy of proclaiming it. God bless you as you preach the word.